Welcome everyone, live from CRC Melton in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Melton Live on Live FM. My name is Jaden. Our special guest today is Mr. Box. Hi, Mr. Box. Thanks for joining us today. No worries. Thanks for having me. No problem. So my first question for you is, you are one of the sports, oh, you're one of the PE teachers here. Yep. You coach some of the year, what's it, 10 basketball teams? Uh, so this year I've coached the year 10 boys uh, yep. and at the moment I'm currently coaching the year nine boys who are having a really good season so far. They've only lost one game and that was by three points. Not bad. Uh, they finished on top of the ladder and they're going to be playing their semi-final next, next week. So we're very excited for the year nine boys team at the moment, top of division one. That's good. Um, what strategies do you have? For the finals? Uh, well, we're very lucky that we've got Saar on the team who's six foot ten. Yeah. So our strategy is give him the ball as much as possible under the ring. Um, but also there's a couple of other guys on the team that are really valuable as well. So we, we, we want to spread the floor as much as possible. We want to attack the basket. We want to draw fouls. And we want to give up. Um, we don't want to give up fast break points. And we've, we've been doing that pretty much all um, all season long, the, the only game we did loss, uh, we we did lose, was to a team that um, we just didn't really get out to contest the three point shot. So when we play them again in the finals, we'll adjust for that. Yeah, um, but we are the best team in it at the moment, and the only the only way that we're going to not go all the way is if um, is if we're undisciplined. We we sort of make um, mistakes by shooting ourselves in the foot. So we we just need to make sure we're playing our best, and, and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. Um. So you said that fast fast break points is seems to be your biggest weakness. Have you focused a lot of that in training? Um. We we actually haven't really had opportunities to train. Um. Very much. We had one a couple of training sessions before the season where we worked on, um. You know, containing the ball and keeping it out of the middle. But, um. With all that happens in the schools, as you're very aware, there's yard duties. There's yes. other teams in the stadium. It's actually really difficult to organise practices. So we're having one. Uh, after school on Monday. That's good. Uh, 3.30 to 4.30 this Monday so we can get um, get all those kinks signed out before the finals. So, uh, And one of the big issues that we have is obviously staff members being available to coach teams. So students volunteering to coach teams is, is very valuable yeah. for interleague sport. Um, and you also coach outside of school, don't you? Uh, I did, yeah. I'm, I'm having a year off now, but I've coached rep basketball for the last five years. Um this year, I was coaching at Keelaw Thunder, the under-16 girls there. A bit of a disappointing season for the girls. We only ended up winning one game, but uh, we're in a very high division, probably a little bit higher than what we probably should have been, but we did extremely well in grading. But um, all the girls will, will be better players for it, playing against um, that sort of high level yeah. that they were against. So, um, so yeah, five years I've been coaching, but I'm going to have a year off this year just because I've got um, a baby on the way. Oh, congratulations. Um, yeah, so the wife and I, we're going to focus on that um, and hopefully I'll get back into rep coaching in the next couple of years. That's good. Um, with coaching, what's one of your major challenges with it? Um, well, it really depends on the team. Um, I guess for a couple of teams I've had, it's, it's um, you know, you, you sort of have to balance winning or team success as, a, as well as getting everyone um, sort of, equal playing time. That can be a challenge at times. And um, I guess when you have different personalities that um, clash within the team, there's some some players uh, are more focused on winning, whereas others are more focused on, you know, sort of developing and improving and getting their fair share of time. So that can be a bit – that's probably the biggest challenge, I'd say, of coaching um, youth players. Um, another challenge is, is 
um, sort of organising training sessions can be a bit of a challenge yes. as well because if you have if you have people that aren't coming to training or don't train as much or or they're absent for long periods of time that can be really um, you know really detrimental to the team's success when you don't have everyone on the same page so they're they're the two biggest challenges um, but obviously there are lots of um, positives that come out of coaching as well and seeing people improve seeing people enjoy themselves and seeing people work together as a team is is obviously the biggest positives of coaching yeah that's really good um here's a big question have you ever suffered an injury while coaching i have actually two years ago um i was coaching my under six under 18 girls they were at the time uh and we we didn't have 10 players so i stepped into scrimmage so we could do five and five uh and i literally took two steps to the right and just felt this massive pop in my left ankle so i completely snapped my achilles in half uh and it didn't really take much at all to do it and it was even more embarrassing because I had these 16-year-old girls laughing at me when I was lying on the floor telling me to get up and stop being a wuss. But, um, yeah, I think when you get a little bit older, you need to sort of um, understand what your limitations are and don't do things without uh, warming up and, and things like that. Uh, and you also need to make sure that um, you're, you're not just going from not playing or not doing anything for six months to jumping in and playing a game. All right, you need to make sure that your uh, your fitness is, is up and your, your your flexibility and all your things that you're doing um, become even more important when, when you get older. So I certainly learned my lesson from that. I still do um, jump in and scrimmage time to time, but not the intensity that I used to do. Yeah. And I always certainly make sure I warm up and stretch before I run in and, yeah. and start running around. So that, that was the worst one I've ever had. Uh, most of the other injuries I've ever had have, have been from playing, so not, not necessarily from training. Yeah, well, things as well with... Was it Achilles, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So they also take, what, between eight months to a year, sometimes even longer? Uh, yeah, feel? minimum year. So it's been about a year and a half now. I'm only yeah. just starting to to sort of jump and sprint and, and run and, and things like that. Yeah. But it's probably never going to be what it was. But, of course. Um, yeah, and, and I guess not now that I'm not playing sport anymore, it doesn't really affect me too much. But if it was to happen to a younger person... Yeah, be a lot more uh, yeah, affecting. Re, yeah, rehab is, is you know, obviously really important to try and get it back to what it was. Yeah. So you also mentioned that you used to play. Uh, yeah, well, basketball probably wasn't my number one sport that I played when I was younger. I, I definitely did play um, uh, junior basketball. And then uh, once I aged out of juniors, I just played to senior domestic. Um, I think I was, I was, was playing A grade at Knox for a oh, few wow. years. Um, but obviously I wasn't, basketball wasn't my strength or my greatest sport, but I was, um, I love the game and love coaching the game. Uh, and I've been lucky to play, play along with some guys that have played at a pretty high level. So a couple of guys I've played with have played, uh, NBL one and, um, overseas and things like that. So I've sort of learnt a lot by being, play, playing with good players, um, and sort of analyzing the game and stuff. But gridiron was my sport that I played pretty much throughout my whole adult life. So I started that when I was 17 uh, and played up until I was 29. So I've, oh, wow. I haven't played for about six years now, but that was, yeah, that was my number one sport that I love playing. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Melton Live on Live FM. Live from CRC Melton in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Jaden and our special guest today is Mr. Box. So we obviously know that you have been a coach. You are a coach at the moment and you used to be a player. What is... A difference between being a coach and a player um it's a good question actually because when when you when you play and it doesn't matter what sport you play and we're talking about team sports i guess in general um 
you sort of you're not as invested in the rest of the team as you are when you're coaching. And I think when you're when you're coaching, you're really really invested in in how how successful the team is, and you, you're sort of not really that invested in individual performances. Yeah. Whereas I know, like we all like to say that the team comes first, but when we're playing, we we can still feel okay about our performance or feel satisfied with our performance, even if the team's not doing that well. Of course. Um, and I think once you're coaching, you sort of you sort of view things in a different eye and. Um, what becomes more important is that everyone is invested in the team. And, you know, when I think back to when I was younger and those every so often when, you know, I was busy or sick or something else was on and I, I, did, I didn't go to training that week, you know, you don't really think it's a big deal if you don't turn up. But when you're a coach and you've planned something and you, you've got something that you're working on week in, week out, um, you sort of you realise how important it is that everyone's invested in the team. Whereas you don't really have that same mentality um, when you're a player, I yeah. don't think. But some people do, and that what that's what makes a really great team player. Um, do you think it's going to be hard to balance being a coach and a player? At the same time? At the same time. Um, I, I think so, yeah. I, I think that um, you need an external eye. It's really hard to um, see what's going on. Um, both at practice and in games, if you're in the game. And I know that even when I'm coaching scrimmages on Thursday for basketball, it's really hard to coach the team when you're when you're in the scrimmage. Oh, yeah. you're, you're focused on what your role is. You've also got to have um, an, an eye on what everyone else is doing, what their role is. And that's really difficult to do uh, if you can't see everything. So I think, yeah, to, to be, to, to be a, a playing coach, I think is really, really difficult. And... Um, that's obviously why there aren't many professional uh, player coaches at the moment. I think you need yeah. an external coach, you need an eye, you need an unbiased eye, uh, and you need to be seeing everything. Um, is there any rules that you would like to see be changed or tweaked as both a coach and as a player? In basketball? In basketball. Ooh, I think I'd, like to, I'd love to see a shot clock, actually, at uh, Premier League basketball. I think that would be great because we should have won that game uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were down by we were down by two points. It was a minute forty left on the clock, and I think the the other team had possession for about eighty seconds. Um, so I think if we had a shot clock in, we would have we would have definitely um, you know we, we would have won that game because we were on a 10-0 run out of a timeout. Shot clock involved, we would have got a couple of extra possessions. We would have won that game. So that's one rule I'd love to see in Premier League. Um, I'm trying to think of some other rules. Um, I think, I think that's pretty much it. That's the only rule I change. Having a shot clock in Premier League, yeah, I think would be good. Um, what about? So there is one rule which I have spoke to with before with the students. I want to hear your point of view on it. So if you fall over, you're on the ground. If someone were to trip over you, they count it as a pushing foul. What's your point of view on that being called as a foul? Uh, so you trip over someone on the you ground. Trip, yeah. So they're on the ground, you trip over them, and they get the foul for it because they've tripped you over. Yeah, well, I guess it depends. Like I think if um, – I think the ref just needs to use a bit of common sense there. Yeah. Uh, if someone's lying on the ground and they, they don't do anything and someone trips you over, I think that's play on. But if they, you know, do an action that causes you to trip over, then that should be a foul. So I think the refs just need to use a bit of common sense there. Yeah. Have you ever thought about refing? 
Absolutely not. I don't <laughs> think I'd be I'd be terrible at it. Um, and I've got a lot of respect for refs um, that do it and have to put up with uh, making a quick decision and the repercussions of that decision. So I would absolutely hate to do that because I think I'd be terrible at it. Um, I'll stick to coaching. Stick to coaching? Yeah. So you said that obviously you're not going to coach at the moment because you've got a child on the way. Yeah. Um, so you said in the future, what's the plans for the future with coaching? Um, yeah, I think I'll probably take at least a year off, maybe yeah. maybe one or two, depending on, on how we go at home. Um, but I think I'd like to get back into junior coaching uh, in the next couple of years. Um, under 16s, under 18s, that kind of what I, what I was already doing. Because, um, yeah, it was, it was very enjoyable. And I think once you stop playing sport, um, to, to remain connected to something that you love, you love doing when you're young is really important. So that's that's why I would love to get back into it because I think if I'm if I wasn't doing anything to do with sport, that that would uh, leave a big sort of hole in in my uh, social life. So I, I will look to get back into it um, once everything settles down at home. Um, so yeah, definitely in the next couple of years, I'll, I'll get back into it. Uh, what's something that made you really happy when you were coaching? Like something maybe a player said or they did? Um, well, I guess probably the end the end of every season um, generally makes you happy um, when you hear back from some of the parents and some of the players about how they've enjoyed the season. Um, always get some nice cards and gifts and stuff from the from the teams I've been involved in. Um, and particularly this season, only winning one game, you sort of think, oh, God, this is this has been a nightmare. This has been a disaster this season. But to to have the end of season break up and to hear that um, the players have still, they still love the game, they still love playing, and to hear them come and say, oh, you know, I, I feel like I'm a better player this this year because of, because of um, you know, what we went through and, and what we what we worked on in practice and things like that. That that's that's the most enjoyable part. I don't really get hung up on winning and losing and stuff like yeah. that. I just want everyone to be enjoying it and to be improving and getting better. Yeah. So that's the enjoyable part for me. That's good. Uh, COVID, that was a major impact. How did that impact you with coaching? Uh, well, I, I mean, I didn't do any coaching at all, really. Yeah. Um, I guess. In, in terms of uh, studying the game, it probably allowed me a bit more time to do that, to, to you know, read read books on coaching, watch videos, um, watch what's going on um, at different leagues and different levels across the world and sort of getting a bit more knowledge of, of the game. That was probably a good opportunity to do that when there was no actual basketball going on. But in terms of, um, of coaching, obviously, yeah, there, there was – very little hands-on. Yeah. Um, I checked in with, with the team every so often, but, you know, just to make sure they weren't doing nothing and they were keeping their skills up. But, yeah, it was it was tough. Yeah, of course. Um, so hopefully we won't have to go through that again, hopefully at least not. in my lifetime. But <laughs> if, if we do, I'll, I'll make sure I'm prepared for it a bit, bit more next time. Um, have you ever thought about maybe playing men's or playing again just for fun? Uh, I don't think so. I think my body's um, – well past its use by date in terms of of uh, participating anymore. I've just got far too many injuries that, that have um, you know sort of caught up to me over the far, past few years. Yeah. So, um, look, I, I'm pretty pretty happy to to just be coaching at the moment, oh, that's um, cool. and I can keep fit and exercise in other ways. I don't need to I don't need to risk any more 
uh, damaged by by participating. But you never know if if there's a league that's slow enough for me to participate in, maybe. But at the moment, I'm I'm happy just watching and coaching. Yeah. So obviously, when you coach, there's a lot of advantages and disadvantages. Do you care to list some of them? Uh, advantages for coaching and disadvantages. Yeah. Ooh, um. Well, I guess advantages to being a, a, a coach, um, like I said, you get to you get to sort of develop relationships with with your players and and the the people around parents as well. Um, you, you learn about the game as well as you're coaching. You you know you watch you watch video back. You attend coaching seminars. You read books and that kind of stuff. So you're sort of developing your knowledge of the game. Um, this is, I don't really think there is any disadvantages to coaching. I, re, uh, I mean, as long as you're, as, if, as long as you're a people person, yeah, you, you're a good coach. You, it doesn't really matter what your knowledge of the game is. Um, that's something that you can improve and develop. But being a people person is is the number one thing. And if you're not really good with people, then you're probably not going to be a good coach, in my opinion. But other, <laughs> others may disagree. Yeah. What is the difference between a good coach and a bad coach? Um, a good coach has their players um, on board with what with what uh, the team focus is, whether or not they execute it all the time. As long as they're trying to follow what the coach is instilling in them, that makes a good coach. Doesn't really to, to me, winning or losing is not important. But if you're all on the same page and you and you've got a plan and you're sticking to it and you've got your players to follow that plan and adapt to that plan, and that's a good coach. A bad coach to me um, doesn't have everyone working together. You've got people playing for themselves, people playing for the team, people not knowing what they're doing. Um, to me, that is not good coaching. You've got to have everyone on the same page. They don't always have to agree and, and be best friends, but they have to be all working in the same direction. That makes a good coach. So let's say someone has just started to begin coaching what are some tips that you would give them? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question as well. For me, um, it's keeping things simple. Um, if, if we're talking about coaching basketball, just teach the fundamentals. Don't don't overcomplicate things. Don't get um, too far away or too ahead of what the basics of the game involve. Well, that's good fundamental skills, um, good footwork, good spacing, all those kinds of things. And if you can stick with that, your players will – your players will be able to play with a bit of freedom, but they'll also be able to play with um, the overall um, plan or the, or the overall direction of the team. Once you start complicating things and sort of trying to put in multiple offences and, and make things really extra complicated, then that leads to players being confused, leads to them not knowing what they're doing and all that kind of stuff, and that's when things start to go bad in my opinion. So if you can keep things simple, once you've got the, the basics down and you've got your expectations and, and you've got all your players and their routines and their warm-up and, and, and all those kind of basic things, then you can start to add layers to that. But start simple and build upwards would be my advice to new coaches. Yeah, so a challenge of being a coach as well is adapting to the new players. So obviously there's going to be new players that come in. They're going to come and join your team. They're not going to know a lot about the sport. In saying this, what do you think is a good drill slash activity to start to get them to learn the sport? Um, well, I mean, the, the basic skills are, you know, that they should be taught from, you know, 
little children all the way up to um, to seniors and even professionals. Ball handling layups, they're the, they're the main um, they're the main skills that we need to have. Uh, when you get a new player coming in, like I said before, if you keep things simple and you don't overcomplicate things, new players can fit into your team very quickly. It's when you start making things complicated and adding in all these things that players have to know, playbooks and all that kind of stuff, that's when it, it's difficult for new players to fit in. So, again, keeping things simple, you can anyone can fit into your team if you keep things simple and fundamental. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Mr. Box, for joining us. It's been a great pleasure talking to you today. Live from CRC Melton in Melbourne, Australia, you've been listening to Melton Live on Live FM. My name is Jaden. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you found this information today useful. Until next time, have a great day.